This is a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. Go to allthews.3cr.org.au. 3CR, stay tuned, stay radical. Sing coach, we're ready to play. Uh, I'm here, John A. Tate, sporting records called James Tate, just over there. Yes, I'm over here. How you doing, John? <laughs> Very good, thanks. <laughs> I think we're organised. I think we're ready to go. We're ready to go. So our star performer, M. Collard, is out today with an important meeting in the local community. So good on you, M. So we're going to have a light session today, John. Light session. Light session. We've got lots to talk about. There's plenty of things going on. Light session. So before we get started, the sporting record would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung people of the Kulin Nation as the traditional custodians of the land from which we broadcast this program and on which much of our local sport is played. We also acknowledge the incredible contribution of First Nations athletes to Australia's sporting life. We pay our respects to the elders past and present. So last night, Jim, I settled down into my lounge chair. Lovely lounge with a, chair. With a Pepsi and uh, a bucket of hummus. Maximum sugar. Crackers. Maximum taste, no sugar. <laughs> and I went straight to watch, uh, I thought, oh, I might watch a bit of Wimbledon or something. And I went to Channel 9 and it was the rugby on. It was oh. the rugby. It was the, you know, the, what do they call that thing? The, the state the sta- of origin. State of origin. Stuff. We're not familiar with that, are we? Uh, so I thought, oh. So I went to uh, Channel 92, whatever they call that. And it was um, it was it wasn't Wimbledon. It was uh, something else was on. So then I went to Channel ninety three to find uh, Wimbledon on free to air TV. Yeah, actually on ninety two it was uh, something even better. It was the uh, it was the Ashes, the women's Ashes. Yeah, well that's fair enough. And then simultaneously, on, of course, on SBS we had the uh, Tour de France. So there was plenty to watch. It's a busy sporting uh, month, you would say, July is. Yeah. Fantastic. So on that topic, <laughs> number 92, <laughs> we're going to push Wimbledon way down the order of preferences today. Okay. So we're going to focus on the women's cricket first. Yeah. Australia. It's neck and neck. A little bit of trouble. Yeah. A little bit of trouble. So Australia's women's Ashes campaign started off really well. They won the first test. Bagged him a bunch of points. How many points do you get for that? Is that six? Yeah, about six. So that's the only thing we've won. Uh, we won the first T20 match. Oh, maybe that was five points for the test and one for the thing. Because we're six points at the moment. Yes. And so are so England. Well, let me get to that. Sorry. You're jumping ahead, John. I'm excited. You're excited. We're all excited here at 3CR, you know, Radical Radio. Um, so Australia won the first two games, got six points in total. England have since won the next three games, two T20 games, and one ODI, which Australia is meant to be very good at. 
So, you know, amidst the men's cricket tensions between Australia and England and between the women's tensions, Australia and England, those old colonial legacies and rivalries are coming back and boy, oh boy, we're in for a big one. So stay tuned for women's cricket. It's happening. We've got a great team, a lot of young, great players. Oh, yeah, it's fun to watch. Fantastic. So you can catch that on the Channel 9 network on whatever channel it'll mm, be, mm. probably 92. Got to go looking. Yeah, you know. I was a bit disappointed, though. Those other ones had been bumped off Channel 9's main channel by the rugby, but I suppose people like the rugby state of origin stuff. Yes, we're biased against rugby, but that's okay. So the big story we want to get to is something happening in the tennis world, but not the tennis itself. No, well, it's very political. Here we go. Uh, I'm not sure where to start. Well, last year, uh, Russian players and players from Belarus mm. uh were banned from Wimbledon. Completely banned. I don't think the Tennis Federation mob were happy about that, but that was a Wimbledon decision that they were banning those players from those yes, countries. because of the war. Yeah. This year has changed a bit, and they're, they're permitted to play. I believe they have to sign a bit of a waiver saying that they really disagree with the whole war thing and they're not happy about it Yeah. Uh, in order to be allowed to play, and they don't play under their own flag. It's just a blank where the flag's meant to be, next to their name. Yes. So by participating in Wimbledon, those players say we are against the war. Mm. That's the mm. that's the headline. And they probably are. I'm sure they are. Mm. And, you know, frankly, in the world of uh, in, um, professional tennis, not many of those players live in their own country anyway. They live all... They're travelling the world and they, they marry uh, other people, some of them, and they live in other places like Monaco or United States or wherever... Is a good place. What a life. Yeah, I know. But what's, what, I, what I became aware of is that the Ukrainian players at Wimbledon, mm. and there's five in the women's draw. Well, up, yeah, there's a number in the women's draw. Yeah. Uh, the Ukrainian Tennis Federation gave them a directive. They say you can play. If you come up against a Russian or a Belarusian, uh, you can play him. You don't have to withdraw. But we don't want you to shake their hand at the end of the match. And and that's come from the the, the peak Russian yeah, tennis yeah. federation. Now it's, they're not obligated. No, they can, they can go against that if they wish. Right. right. So it's not an obligation. But that was the directive, and it's meant to be respect for the for those fighting the real battle back home in Ukraine. Mm. Um, so that's how it was. One player did it and uh, didn't you know, refuse to shake the the player's hand uh, after the match, and uh, the crowd booed. They thought it was uh, they thought it was. Poor sportsman personship. The English did not like it, did no, they? No, they didn't like it. Interesting. So let's say this was you, John. You were a professional yeah. squash player yeah. back in the day. Yeah. Let's say your country was at war. Yep. You know, imagine that. Use your empathy. Yep. And you're playing someone from the country that is yep. causing the war, invading your country. And the big dogs said, don't shake their hand. What what would you do? Well, yes, it raises the question, you know, what would you do? And I would defy that directive. I would shake the person's hand. Yeah. Because I've always maintained that you need, you know, when you're in dispute with somebody, it's important to have take the high moral ground. Right. Even if you don't like that person or you've had a bit of a fight or your country's at war, I'm going to take the high moral ground. I'm going to be the first one to come up and shake your hand. Right. Right? because that's the position I like to take. I would probably try to find some other way to protest. Wear a black armband or wear clothing that uh, has my country's colours 
or some other way of showing my patriotism and, and my beliefs. Every media interview, you know, you, you promote the cause. Yeah, yeah. You, you condemn Russia. Now, trouble with Wimbledon is you have to wear white. Yeah. They don't tolerate any other change, any other colour. Right. I reckon even if the girls wore a, a ribbon that was blue and yellow, Ukrainian colours, mm. I reckon they'd be banned from wearing it. Mm. Um, or if you tried to wear a black armband, I reckon you'd be, you'd be told to take it off. Wimbledon's a bit crazy, isn't it? They're a bit it? crazy like that, you know. You know, the, the bloody English and their so-called traditions, they aren't really traditions. Now, mm. I looked up the top 100 female players, just rankings, and there's five Ukrainians in that block. Yeah. Um, there are, I found about uh, two, four, six, eight, nine Russians and three Belarusians. Right. I guess most of them are all playing there at Wimbledon. Yeah. So the chances are, <laughs> the chances are that uh, one of the Ukrainian players is going to come up against Russians. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Now, as a good news story, one of those Ukrainian players is Alina Svitolina. Good work. It's a rhyming name. Uh, she is currently ranked 76 in the world. Yeah. But that's because she's taken time off and had a baby. And mm. is, this is her first big tournament back. So she's gone off and had a kid. She used to be number three in the world at her peak. So she's a good player. Wow. Anyway, she defeated, uh, in must have been the quarterfinals, uh, the number one seed. I'll attempt to pronounce her name. Here we go. From Poland, it's Iga Swiatek. Yeah, that's close enough. How'd I go? But she's number one player in the world now that Ash Barty's not playing. So you go off and have a kid and you come back and you beat the yeah. best player in the world. Isn't that's, that fantastic? That, that's a pretty monumental yeah. effort. So she's in the semi finals. And she's my favourite player. I'm gonna I'm barricading for her now. There's there there's I don't know what it is, but there's a toughness for female tennis athletes, you know, that I I don't think we see often, you know. Serena Williams wins mm. a title while pregnant. Mm. You know, uh, Svitolina, if that's right, goes, gets pregnant, has a baby, comes back, wins against the best player in the world. That's pretty good. It's a common theme, uh, probably unscientific, but uh, women coming back from having a baby, women sports people, uh, seem to do really well. They seem to be a bit tougher. They're amazing. A bit stronger. They're amazing people. A bit more focused. So... um, in terms of the further participation of Ukrainian players and Russian Belarusian players in, in Wimbledon and the handshaking controversy, mm. I'll put it to you again. Mm. If that was you and you came up against a Russian player or a Belarusian player, how how would you how would you respect the or how would you deal with the the player opposite you? Given that they're participating and they've signed a thing saying they're against the war. Their presence there is a statement that they're mm, against mm, it. Mm. Do you hold the athlete accountable for the country they, quote-unquote, represent? Um, no, uh, unless that person's been quite vocal in their views. Right. So you separate the individual so, yes. from their government. But there's a place for symbolism, isn't there? Symbolism. And I'd find some sort of symbol, some way of of expressing my feelings on the matter. Yeah. Well, one commendation that um, the Ukrainian, um, the people, especially Zelensky himself, is that they're playing the cultural game of this war magnificently. 
Mm. So he's, mm. Zelensky's just riding this wave, and you know he's on Twitter and he's at conferences and he's at World Trade Organization. You know he's everywhere. And you know I'd say this Russian Tennis Federation rule that you don't shake their hand is another effort towards that cultural approach to raise awareness and condemn Russia for what they're doing. That's right. Get the rest of the world on their side. Yes, because you know there's only so much you can do on on the ground and then there's all these other countries watching mm-hmm. throwing some weapons their way but they're riding that wave so i think that's very interesting it is now there's no male ukrainian players at wimbledon probably because they're back home yeah fighting real battles i hope they're going okay um just say one thing uh in looking at the 100 top players, there's only one Australian uh, woman in, our, in the top 100 at the moment. That's Aya Tomolonovic. Good on you, Aya. Uh, Daria's playing at Wimbledon. Daria Saville uh, is playing there. Yep. But uh, I think she's had a lot of injuries. She must be coming back. and Affectionately known as Dasha. I love her. She's great. But I'm going for Alina Svitolina. Fantastic. Yes. So that's, uh, that's our tennis report for today. Yeah, that's, that's tennis. Australia has a lot of men in the top 100, by the way. Two, four, six, eight, nine. Nine men in the top 100. Mm. That's all right, isn't it? Why do you reckon... I mean, we did have the world's best tennis player and who retired and who just had a baby. So congratulations mm. to Aspardi having her first baby. Well done. Hope, it, hope it's all going well. Uh, why do you think there's such a, a disparity between the number of men we have in the top 100 compared to the number of women in the top 100? Oh, it just goes in waves, I think. I don't think there's anything, uh, anything you, know, um, you know, nasty about it. I think it's just the waves, who's coming through as juniors. And, mm. and uh, we've just had a couple of really good players retire, like Ash and, uh, and uh, the other one. What's her name, James? Stozer. Yeah, it's Sam, yeah. Yeah. So they've just retired, so they're waiting for the next lot to come through. Mm. Mm. The game of tennis seems to be in quite a healthy state in this country. Yeah. Whenever yeah. it rolls around, you know, the four major grand slams, there's always a lot of buzz. Mm. It's always mm. a lot of buzz. Mm. So that's tennis. Now, we've got one more one more topic before the break, and then we'll get to my favourite topic, the Tour de France. <laughs> okay. um, F1, Formula One. Oh, yes. Fast cars. Yes. What's going on? Yes, well, our boy, Danny Ricardo is back. And our other boy, uh, Piastri, what's his name, Oscar? Oscar yep. Piastri, he uh, came fourth in the last Grand Prix. His best ever effort. Fantastic. So, well done to you, Oscar. He's finally got a competitive car under him mm. with the upgrades, but uh, he's clearly a good driver. So, I'll ask you a question, which yep. you can think about over the break. Okay. I'm going to take a break now. Why do we find it so... Um, I'm struggling to find the words here. Why is Daniel Ricciardo getting back into Formula One so important to us? People are celebrating. People are incredibly happy about this. Why do you think it is such an important big deal to oh, a lot of people? Well, we're fairly patriotic when it comes to sport, but he seems like a great guy. Right. And uh, who's had a bit of bad luck over the years. He's probably had not fully reached his potential. Mm. But he's uh, taken the year out, been a reserve driver for Red Bull, and uh, poor old Nick De Vries, the Dutchman, uh, got the sack from Alfa Tauri, mm. and Daniel's ready to step in, step into the car. Right. Mind you, the other Alfa Tauri driver, Yuki Sonoda, is not doing all that well either, but we'll see how Daniel goes. 
Yes, so the Formula One, it's in a good state. Um, I think it's a bit of a subpar sport, to be honest, in terms of, you know, the amazing things that are going on and the cricket and the Tour de France and all that. They're just fast cars, you know, with people pumping money into them. and A lot of money. Anyway, that's me off my high horse. We'll go to a break, John. We'll yep. go to a break. We're meant to go to a break. And then we'll come back and talk about Le Tour de France. Mm-hmm. Get to the Melbourne Documentary Film Festival, screening the very best documentaries from South by Southwest, Sundance, Tribeca, as well as the best local Melbourne and Australian documentaries. Online from the 1st to the 31st of July and at Cinema Nova from the 21st to the 30th of July. For more information, head to mdff.org.au and cinemanova.com.au. The Melbourne Documentary Film Festival is a 3CR supporter. VCR is about community, and we welcome your participation at the station. 3CR is open to a wide diversity of volunteers and is a great way to connect with Melbourne's activist community. Have you ever thought about volunteering, doing a reception shift, getting a program on air, training in radio skills, or contributing to one of the station's committees? There are many ways to be involved at 3CR. To find out more, go to 3cr.org.au and get in touch. What are we listening to here, John? I think it might be Kraftwerk. Le Tour de France, Le Tour de France. One of the great sports songs of all time, I believe, in my humble opinion. (laughs) Nothing like a bunch of German fellas belting it out on some electronic instruments Mm. about the greatest sporting event in the world, just about. So the Tour de France has been going on. You can catch all the action on SBS, who I have to say, as I do every year, Tremendous job in the coverage. Yep. It's simple, it's good, it's warm. You, you, you come to love the presenters. And it's very late at night. It's late at night, so for someone like me, it's fantastic. <laughs> um, what I've been doing is I've been getting up early and going to SBS On Demand and getting a little highlights package. It goes mm. for about half an hour to an hour, and it relives the whole race there in the morning. Yes, so... The Australians are doing fairly well. Yeah, they're up there. They're, so they're competing. This is the men's Tour de France, and the women's Tour de France starts as soon as the men's race Tour finishes. de France Femme. Tour de France Femme. Uh, excuse our French pronunciations. Um, but Australian Jai Hindley, who won the Giro d'Italia, the mm. great Italian race, mm. last year, who didn't compete in this year because he was focused on the Tour de France, yeah. is currently coming third Looking for a podium finish. Looking for a podium finish. Can't see him getting first or second, but he's in a good place to finish third. Yeah, so third's an amazing result because the two fellas in front of him, Jonas Vingegaard from Denmark and Tade Pogacar from Slovenia, are two of the modern greats. They're incredible. They're unbelievable and they're blowing the sport apart. No one can keep up with them. How old's Tade? 24. And he's won the Tour de France twice already, which is unheard of. And Jonas, who used to be a fishmonger in Denmark, uh, he, he beat him last year. So it's, it's a new great rivalry. And the fact that Jai Hindley, a fellow from Western Australia, is just behind them, 
It's phenomenal. Yes, he's doing well. So that's pretty good. Now, speaking of podium, mm. I'm a bit slow on the uptake sometimes, but I've noticed something about the podium presentations at the end of each day. Interesting. Um, as I say, I'm a bit slow. This has been happening for a couple of years. But a while ago, a few years ago, what used to happen was, so the person who's taken over the yellow jersey goes up on the podium and they put the jersey on him in, with great you know, great aplomb. Great French pomp. And either side of him will be, uh, there were, used to be, two very pretty girls, probably models, dressed in yellow, yellow dresses or something, mm. and they'd give him a kiss on each cheek simultaneously. They were usually wearing bright lipstick, so the lipstick would be <laughs> retained on his cheeks. Right. But that doesn't happen anymore. I've only just noticed. They don't do the kiss anymore. I think that stopped with, with COVID. Mm. But now they have still have two models either side of the winner, but one's a male model and one's a female model. Right. Dressed in whatever is the appropriate colour. Yep. And uh, they don't do the kiss, but they're there as part of the ceremony. And I thought, well, isn't that good? They've balanced it out. They've mm. taken away the gratuitous patriarchal stuff and they've replaced it subtly mm. with something that's a bit more balanced, a bit more equal. It's a small step in a good direction, isn't it? Yes. And then as I was thinking about it, I'm thinking, well, in F1, which we were talking about, they used to have grid girls prancing around the grid before the race in in skimpy clothes or bikinis or something, high heels. Yeah. And I thought, they got rid of that many years ago. Mm. That's gone. That's gone. They still have ceremonies and stuff. There's still jobs for models, but it's not as gratuitous and, well, blatantly sexist. Yeah, you could say it's a slow, gradual dismantling of some of the patriarchal structures. Can you of think of any other sports where, where that's happening? Um, well, I don't know. I don't watch boxing, but in boxing they used to have uh, a girl in a bikini and high heels holding up a sign saying what round it was in between yeah, each round. They don't do that anymore. Is that is, gone? Which is good. That was silly. Yes. <laughs> it just didn't make sense. When... When men run sport, stupid things happen. <laughs> Fucking sexist things happen. So, you know, that's good. That's good. We're facing that. A long way to go, mind you. Mm. And it's, it's no means the end of the journey, but small symbolic step. I think we're halfway through the tour now. I think this is halfway there. Yeah, we're just about halfway. So it's a race that goes for three weeks. But if you're at home and you're up late and you're looking for a nice meditative thing to watch... You know, watching some cyclists pounding up some hills with the beautiful French scenery all around. It's beautiful. You know, it takes me back to watching Getaway with Ernie Dingo. Beautiful stuff. <laughs> beautiful stuff. So we're, we're coming towards the end of the program. So Can we talk about what's coming up in the world of sport? Yes, we can. And what we're going to address next week. And this is exciting because the Women's World Cup is starting next week right here in Australia and New Zealand. And, this is a headline, John, <laughs> it is set to be the most attended standalone sporting event for women in history. This is enormous. There's been Women World Cups before, though. But this one will be the most attended ever. Wow. So over a million tickets have sold, well over a million tickets have sold to go mm. to these games across Australia and New Zealand. And it looks to be an incredibly important cultural moment in this country's sporting life. So if you can't go to the games live, 
I guess we'll have to watch it on TV. And I looked it up. Um, it'll be live and on demand, every match, on Optus Sport, wherever and, that is. And Channel 7. Well, Channel 7 Plus. What's that? Well, that's their streaming service. Oh, okay. Do you have to pay for that? No, it's all free. Okay. And certain games, about 15 of them, I suppose the Australian ones and the New Zealand games, I think they'll be live on, on more general free-to-air channels. Yeah. Channel 7 ones. The, the Australian games will be. And the New Zealand ones too, I, I noticed. And yes. When I quickly looked it up before. Very interesting. Um, there's a game tomorrow night, yes. a warm-up game, Australia versus France at Marvel Stadium. I think that's sold out, though. That's sold out. Uh, and you can watch that on a different channel. That's on 10 Bold. 10 Bold. 10 Play. I don't know what these things mean. And Paramount Plus. I know what Paramount Plus is. That's a streaming on your pay for. Um, but it should be on Channel 10 somewhere. Right. I'll be watching that. So next week we'll have a big deep dive into the Women's World Cup. Yes. Who's and Who to look out for, what names to... To remember what to get excited about, some of the backstories. You know, yeah. there's some young players in there who have yeah. some great stories. I've also invited um, uh, our friend of the show, Grant Hansen, um, to come in. Well, he's going to come in on the telephone, and I've got a few things to ask him about regarding footy. He said he'd come back just before the Essendon Bulldogs game, which is next Friday. So we can talk a little bit about that, but I've got I've got some other stuff, cultural stuff I need to get him to teach us about. Fantastic. Uh, Grant, legend of the 3CR station. Yes. Legend of the Mangrook footy show. Yes, which started here in this studio where we're currently sitting and standing. Um, uh, that's where it started for many years, back in the 90s. He is one of the giants on whose shoulders we stand yeah, or sit. He's a nice guy. So that's very exciting. So just a few tidbits mm-hmm. about the World Cup, just You're, to get you excited. Oh, yes, please. Yes. So the big teams to beat, and this is quite fitting, are the USA and England. Oh. Two, two countries we love to hate. You know, <laughs> it's, all, it's all beautiful competition and like, yeah, we're all better off for it. But, geez, if we could beat USA and England, that'd be mm. fantastic. That'd be fantastic. So the USA is the reigning champions. Uh, twice now. So in 2011, they lost by a, a penalty shootout. And then the next two World Cups, they've snatched them up. Mm. They're an incredible team. Uh, Megan Rapinoe, the captain, I believe, is a fantastic player. Could be the GOAT. Could be the GOAT of women's soccer. I have a vote for Sam Kerr, but, you know, you know. What I wanted to say about the Australian team is uh, Sam Kerr is great. But it's not all about Sam Kerr. We've got a very well-balanced team now that's strong in all departments. Mm. You know, we've got uh, Sam Kerr and Caitlin Ford, who are great forwards who work well together. Mm. We've got very fast players up the wing. We've got two of the best full-backs in the league. They keep running in the world. You know, they keep running up and down the uh, down the wings. Yeah, and we probably were a bit weak in in the, with our tall central defenders, but I think we've. We've solved that problem now. You can tell that Australia has been investing more and more money into the sport for women, and it's never been enough, and it still probably isn't enough, but it's starting to pay off. Mm. We're seeing rewards, dividends. You know, we're having some pretty good results. There's a good balance of youth and experience in that team. Fantastic. 
So that's pretty darn good. I'm looking forward to it. Yes. So that just about gets us uh, up to the end of the show. Now, we've got a song by uh, Dave Warner, not the cricketer, the other Dave Warner, the singer. Is it the Wimbledon one? It's called Wimbledon. Tell us about this song. (laughs) It's about a uh, musician who's giving away music and he's going to take up tennis. He wants to be a champion at Wimbledon. That's basically what it's about. But the highlight of the song, for me, he manages to rhyme. There used to be a tennis player American called Vetus Gerolitis. Yeah. And he rhymes Vetus Gerolitis with viral meningitis. That's a, that's a big move. Or it could be hepatitis. But anyway, listen out for that rhyme. It is genius. Well, listen out for it at home, folks. Here we go. <laughs> My bags, I've sold the end. I'm moving out of rock. I've got the makings of a tennis champ, and so I'm bound for Wimbledon. All this decay is stifling me. Too much drugs and booze, and so I'm bound for Wimbledon, where I win. Like Wimbledon But half the stars are charlatans Most of the rest are dead And so I'm bound for Wimbledon To grace the net in 